Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. I'm an obstetrician, gynecologist, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a small business owner, I'm a Catholic, I'm all kinds of things. But right now on this show, I'm your host as we talk about all things women's health. Now it doesn't matter if it's if it's infertility to childbirth or pregnancy loss to menopause or homeschooling to personal trainers. If it involves women and their health, it's on our agenda. And joining me today is an amazing young couple uh, that are going to talk to us um, about a story that I know you're going to find interesting. Uh, it's Zach and Taylor Smith, and they're going to share a really amazing story about their journey to successful uh, pregnancy, birth, uh, and parenting. Now, I'll warn you up front, it's a story about loss. Uh, there's some pain, there's some suffering, there's some triumph, and there's some remarkable uh, victory. So I know that you're going to find it uh, very entertaining, and I know that you're going to be moved I'll buy it. So get comfortable as we get to know much more about this remarkable young couple uh, and their journey to successful parenting. We'll be right back with All Things Women's Health. Well, welcome back to All Things Women's Health. And Zach and Taylor, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, uh, recurrent pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. And it's a topic that I deal with in my medical practice on a daily, it seems like hourly basis. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, no, it's not a plant, but just before leaving to come here to make this recording today, I met with a young couple experiencing a loss. Um, and it, it's, it's sometimes a secret problem yeah. that no one wants to talk about. And I can't say that everyone in our profession does a great job talking about it. And so um, we're going to share with listeners your journey, and I know that it's going to be a story uh, of hope. But before we get there, we've got to go through uh, we've got to go through some stuff, don't we? Yes. So you know, start with your story of where you think it begins. All right. We'll start with August eighth, two thousand and fifteen. Uh, Zach and I got married. He had a son um, before we were married. Aiden's thirteen years old now. So when we got married, we knew that we would want to start trying to have children soon because we wanted them to be pretty close in age. Mm. Um, I had always had this idea that I wanted to go on a medical missions trip before. So in December, I went on my medical medical missions trip and then came home and that's when we started trying mm. to have a child. Um, our first one was in February of 2016. Um, being so naive, I feel like back then, once I saw that positive pregnancy sure. test, I was like, all right, we're having a baby. Like, you know, we got nine months and then we're yeah. going to have one here. So just excitement and just it never came to my mind that I could potentially lose it. Right. Um, so then a couple of days later, I started bleeding um, and I called the, the doctor's office that I was seeing at that time told them and they said if you're bleeding a lot you don't need to go to the ER or mm. we'll get you in a couple of days and since it was my very first time you know I was just so scared I was scared right. for me I was scared for baby so I ended up going to the emergency room oh boy which was traumatic I will mm. say in the least um what what most stands out about that visit to the emergency room 
two things. First off, when the doctor came in, she said, oh, you're having a really heavy period, and that's why you're here? Oh, my. And I was like, no, I'm pregnant, so I shouldn't be bleeding. Mm. Um, and then the second thing was that the nurse, I had, you know, you're just worried. So the whole time asking, like, is everything okay? Is yeah. baby okay? And she was like, no, you're bleeding way too much. There's no way. Mm. So that, you know, just like, ugh, just drains everything from you. But we actually got a heartbeat. Mm. And um, so they just said, follow up with your doctor sure. in a couple of days. And, you know, I find myself saying to couples a lot that, the emergency room is just not set up for this. No. You know, it is a great place to be if you've been in a car accident mm -hmm. and your leg is broken. Um, but when you're going through a loss, there's so many subtleties. There's so much emotion. Yeah. That's really not what a busy emergency department is set up for. And you experienced it. It's it's just not great, is it? Yeah. Well, and I think, too, we've come so far in six years about talking about this topic. But yeah. I remember back then it was something that was never talked about. Sure. So, yes, I decided from that day, like, I will never come back here for this. You know, like, <laughs> I'll wait and have my appointment, yeah. you know. Um, and it's no offense to our listeners who might work in an emergency no, room. No, yeah. It's really not. It's just a question of, I think, round peg in a square hole. That's not what the emergency medical system is designed mm -hmm. for. Yeah. Uh, it's great at life and death mm -hmm. um, to a degree, <laughs> not this kind of life and death. But, yeah. um, but your experience, I think that's a very common one that I hear patients describe all the time. Yes. And like I said, I think because it was my first, that's what I felt like I yeah. needed to do. Yeah. But yes, after all the experience, it's like, okay, that won't be my first sure. reaction and the place to go. So so they led you to believe everything was okay. It seemed like it got a heartbeat. Yes. Went home. Went home. Um, saw my doctor in two days. We did another HCG test. He looked at the results and was like, it doubled. Like, you're good. Right. Um, you can go home. And I said, something's not right. So I, do you mind, like, looking? And once he did that, he was like, we need to send you for an ultrasound. Like, I, th I think you are losing the baby. So oh that was just like a roller coaster. I feel like that week, scared, heard a heartbeat at the, ho the hospital. Right. Um, hopeful. He said that. So then I was, you know, hopeful again. Like, okay, the numbers are have doubled. And then, you know, once he, he checked. And um, so I feel like I got told no. You know, like it was not just one situation, but a couple yeah. times, which... Um, I'm sort of hearing you say maybe that you felt like you had to push to get that more information, mm -hmm. that you would have just gone home thinking everything was okay if you hadn't said, yeah. I thought, I think something's wrong. Yes. And I think, too, as moms, we have this intuition. Yes. And yes, I think I knew the mm -hmm. whole time, but I needed someone to say it to right. me. Yeah. That's, and for listeners, uh, we, we mentioned numbers in HCG. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the pregnancy hormone level in the blood, as opposed to a urine pregnancy test that just says, yes, no, mm -hmm. there's some hormone you know, in the urine. This is actually a number that comes back. And when the number is doubling in a, in a relatively short period of time, about 24 hours, mm -hmm. we tend to think that's good. Yeah. Things are growing and the pregnancy's is moving forward mm -hmm. it's worth pointing out that an appropriately doubling number does not mean everything is okay at the same time an inappropriately doubling number does not mean that everything's not okay yeah so you have to you have to 
hold on to your emotions when you get those numbers. I don't feel like we always do a good job of explaining that to people, mm -hmm. but they can be comforting, but they're not absolute as you learned. Yes, yes. So that was the first loss. And mm -hmm. so I'll stop you. So you had an ultrasound. They yes. said your baby, what did they say? Do you remember the exact words? Just like you are miscarrying. Yeah. And really there wasn't a whole lot of explanation. Yeah in it. Um, then I went back like in a week, you know, to be checked out and yeah. to have more labs just to make sure that number was going down. And sure. Um, do you do you remember that feeling? And did anyone say um, something along the lines of, you know, you've just lost a baby? I don't think I heard that. I will say the doctor actually was someone I had just went on that missions trip with. Uh, um, so you had a connection. I had a connection. So he, he prayed with me, you know, I'd asked him before during, you know, um, so I felt very comfortable with him. Mm. I don't think it was ever addressed. Or I don't remember once I went, cause then I went to the hospital to have the testing that, you know, like yeah. you lost a baby, sure. just that, you know, I was having a miscarriage. Yeah. And Zach, were you there with her when this was going on? Uh, I think a couple of the appointments, but I didn't make every one. I was working sure. a different job and I, couldn't yeah. get away from it so you know what it's as odd as it is the devil's real but it seems to me every time in my career I've told a woman that she's losing her baby the husband didn't come that time mm -hmm. you know he came the other times yeah. and everything was fine yeah. and this one time this poor woman is by herself mm -hmm. and they have to call their husband and then as a husband I always think that's a phone call I never want to get yeah mm -hmm. uh, because usually we're racked with guilt I should have been there I should have should have canceled yes. work. I should have done all these things. Yeah. Uh, did Did you have similar feelings? Yeah, definitely. Her experience in that by herself is awful for me to not be there to help yeah. support or comfort her in any way, if that's even possible right. at that time. But yeah. yeah, I think that's a very common experience uh, for what for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So so keep going. So after that. After my losses, I was never able to just jump back into trying again. Yeah. Mentally, it kind of took me a long time to process it. We were young. Um, you hadn't been married very long. We hadn't been married very long. Yeah. So I just really took my time. So we got pregnant with our second one in February of 2017. So, so almost a year. Oh, about a year. Okay. Yeah, after. Um, and, you know, it's funny I, sometimes the dates are hard, but I always remember where I was when all of these happened. And my where I was meant, you know, mentally. And, and I remember with this one, I thought you already got the loss out of the way. Right. This one, everything's going to be okay because yeah. that's someone. And then we lost another one. Um, I think what I really struggled with this one is I needed to know why, mm. like what's wrong with me, what's going on. Um, and really with a lot of losses, you have to have three miscarriages before they'll do any in-depth testing. That's right. So then when I heard that, you know, it just felt like, oh, I might have to go through this one more time before we look into possible causes of this. So it was defeating. Yeah. So this one felt really defeating because I... Do you remember a difference just a year apart in the way you felt about this one as opposed to the first one? As the, like the pregnancy and her, or body-wise? Well, with the loss itself, do you feel like you processed it differently because you've done it before? I think... No, I think I still, I had so much to learn yeah. back then. And um, 
so I'll go on because I'll, I'll touch on that. Yeah. Um, so then we had our third loss, um, 7-17 of 2017, so about five months later. Right. And I, with this one, I kind of felt like it probably was. Like, I did feel like there was something wrong with me, like that they hadn't figured out and that I was probably going to miscarry again. Wow. Hopeful that I wouldn't, but I just felt like there was another piece. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so after this one, you know, we were able to do some testing with um, my OB, but after the results, which everything came back normal, sure, they were like, you probably need to go see a specialist. Like sure. there's things that we can do, but they can help you, you know, way more. They have other things, you know, so you need to go see a specialist. So I did end up doing that after our third loss. And so now I was just super hopeful, like, okay, we're going to find it. Sure. Um, we're going to figure it out and then we'll be able to fix whatever's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. Um, so went, had tests after tests after tests. Um, everything always came back normal, which yeah. it's funny because you usually want that. Right. But I was hoping for something. Absolutely. So that way we could fix it. Um, but yeah, everything had come back normal. And then I got pregnant with my fourth one. February 12th, 2019. Um, so this is about two years later. And this one, I thought for sure I was going to have this baby. And the reason my twin sister was pregnant, we were going to be like two weeks apart. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God has just worked it out. Like, we've got to go through life together. We're going to get to go through motherhood together. <laughs> like, it's in his perfect timing. Yeah. So I'm going to get to keep this baby. And then found out shortly that, I had lost um, our fourth. Wow. Which was a lot. You had mentioned earlier that not a lot of people talk about it and the devil works in that. And something that I have realized throughout this is when you don't talk about things, that's when he really tries to get you and he uses those things against you. And I realized that all those years I had just kind of kept it bottled up. I didn't share it with others. And I really didn't have to in that time in my life because we were young. Our friends weren't married, weren't having kids. Yeah. So I kind of went through this under everyone's radar, and I wasn't forced to talk about it. We didn't have a lot of people, you know, questioning, like, are you, when are you guys going to have kids and things yeah. like that? So I really kind of dealt with it just with myself. I mean, honestly, we didn't even talk about it, you know, yeah, that, that much. That was and my next question. Do you remember those conversations, or were there not many? There were not many, yeah. you know, honestly. Um, I'll put you on the spot, Zach, but do you do you remember ever thinking at some point as the husband, you know, maybe we should just give up. Maybe we should just not try to get pregnant again. It's too painful. No, I actually remember it might have been our fourth one where Tay was really struggling with it and we were sitting in the bedroom and she said, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Like this is, I can't do this and I said, we just, if you want to have children, we just have to trust that eventually he's going to give us a child. Wow. Like, I'll I'll try and I'll stay and we'll do whatever we need to do to try and get there. But if we give up, then yeah. we're not going anywhere, you know, for children. Yeah. I find it's been my experience that husbands tend to go one of two ways, and that's one of them. Yeah. So they tend to sort of say, no, we're running into the fire. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm get behind me, here we go, Yeah, which is sort of what you're describing. Yeah, I just said, like, it's 
it's not up to us. Yeah. I know this is awful and it's painful, but if you want to have children, we just need to trust in him that yeah. eventually he's going to break through that and give us a child. Yeah, that's powerful leadership. Um, but the other direction that I see, I think more commonly, is men, we're sort of made to attack the threat, whatever the threat is. Mm-hmm. And this threat's too big. Mm-hmm. You can't attack it. And often I think that leaves men feeling helpless. And as a rule, we don't really do that well with feeling helpless. <laughs> and we'll respond to just saying it's just it's too much and just shut mm-hmm. down. Let's not ever get pregnant. Let's mm-hmm. not ever talk about it. Let's just put this away. Yeah. Um, and and you know those are both common, but um, but the way that you led, right? Uh, that's and powerful. I didn't. I don't want it to sound like I was telling her we need to keep trying. Keep. I told her it's <laughs> it's your decision because you're. Yeah. I see it, but you're going through it. Yeah. And it was awful for me, so I can only imagine right. how much worse it was for her. So it was basically just. When you're ready, if you're ready, let's try again. Right. Do you feel like uh, during that time, did you ever feel space slipping between you? Yes. I think we can both say that. We processed it so differently. Mm. I mean, every time I got pregnant, this was my baby. I loved you know them so much. Yeah. And I know he did too. But since it felt different and it looked different to me, yeah. and like I said, I, we should have talked about it. Then I should have like yeah. talked to him, like, how are you feeling? What's, but I didn't. And I just went by like, okay, he's not crying. He's not, you know, like yeah. he doesn't care as much as I do. Right. And so I think that, you know, really became like this silent thing that kept eating at both of us. Yeah. And so I wish now looking back, I wish that I would have, you know, talked to other women about it that were going through it. Sure. I wish I would have talked to him more about how he was feeling mm-hmm. and then, you know, find a support system for him too. That way he could talk about it. Yeah. Um, because you do, you just deal with it so differently. I know I, I felt like a lot of times you would get more like angry at the fact yeah. that, you know, like it wasn't yeah. happening. You're like, why isn't this happening right. for us? Yeah. <laughs> And I was we're just, good at that too. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're yeah. and I understand that because I was angry too. But yeah. I just like had more of this like heartbroken that like I I don't want to keep doing this. I can't keep yeah. you know. Um, you know that those same set of feelings and reactions, I think happen in a healthy normal pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, especially in those early trimester. For men, it's such an abstract concept your wife looks the same as they always look. Yes. And you're making this big deal, so to speak, yes. about a number on a page, yeah. on a lab test. Mm-hmm. You don't look any different, you sound the same, everything seems the same, yeah. uh, and then and that's in a healthy, normal pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Then when there's a loss, there can be this feeling of, now we're making a big deal about some other lab report. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really difficult to find your way through that space. It, it, and it's a great way to get distance between husband and wife because you're just so vulnerable right then yes and like I said I do think that the devil loved the silence mm. he loved us just kind of internalizing it all and trying to figure out on our own yeah and um, the isolation yes mm. yes and just like then being able to speak lies into your life you know I really like I felt like he had a child like somebody else was able to give him a child mm. like oh I'm not able to so I'm what am I worth? You know, yeah. so there was just all of these lies that he was feeding me during this time sure. where I know that if I would have talked to somebody else about it, you know, like they 
would have debunked those and he would have too you know if i would have shared like hey this is like what i'm going through and i'm questioning and i'm struggling with yeah i hear that scenario in different ways played out over and over you know my my husband would have been better off if he'd married someone else. Mm-hmm. He, he'd have 10 kids by now, and yeah. I'm not attractive as a wife because you know, I can't produce healthy mm-hmm. pregnancies. And like you said, what a, what a great set of lies that is, mm-hmm. but what a brilliant strategy that is. Yes. And it works. Yes. Yeah, it works well. Yeah. Yeah, so I, but I do feel like that fourth one was really the point where like I was at rock bottom, Yeah. but then you know, God, I feel like we always have to get there, you know, till we're like, okay, you know, why it takes that, I don't know. But to me, that was just like the monumental moment in my journey where, you know, I did reach out to people. I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And thankfully I had, you know, older, wiser women who poured into me during that time. Um, And it just completely, I feel like I went from like, believing that there's a God, but now I had a relationship with Jesus and that changes everything. Mm. Um, so yes, to me, it's like that. I remember that just being the hardest year. I think I had cousins that were pregnant. I had my best friend who was pregnant. Everyone. It was like the year that everyone started having children and I'd have to go to baby shower after baby shower. And it was, and here's another thing that I think it's, is such a misconception that people, the other women or people think that you want harm to them or you're not happy for them. And Mm. that could be the furthest thing from the truth. I would never want somebody else to go through this, you know, but it's hard because you want to be there. Right. And it just brings up all those emotions. I mean, I remember being at baby showers where they're like, what name? And I knew what I was naming all my babies, you know? So it's just those things that make it hard. It's like, you're still so happy Mm -hmm. for those other women and their families but you're struggling on your own. and um, What an awkward situation that is for everybody involved. Yes. Um, yeah, I, because they need to be happy too. Yeah. And they shouldn't feel like that, you know, they can't be. Mm. But yes, they're still, I don't know, I try to be so cautious of that now. Yeah. As you think back to those experiences of those four, um, what what are the positive and the negative things you remember being said to you from from friends and from healthcare providers? Oh, I will say when it comes to healthcare providers and why I stayed at your office, the grace, the kindness, when someone's at their lowest, Mm. you may not have good news, but the way you say something is everything. I always say, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, And I don't know, I just in the past had always kind of felt this coldness whenever I would call and I work in healthcare too. So I know I'm also probably a little more sensitive to things because working in it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I struggled a lot with how someone would call and give me my results or what they would say and how they would say it because this is my baby. Mm. But, you know, sometimes it wasn't always relayed in that kind of way and, you know, um, could be kind of hurtful. Um, Did you get the feeling, and I'm, you know, I'm asking a leading question, I know, but I hear from women day in and day out that the health sort of system in general mm-hmm. um, just didn't seem to want to say, you've lost another child. Yeah. You should be mourning. Yeah. Uh, instead, we, we try to make it, you know, something that it's not. And I wonder if it's because it, it's easier for that person. Yeah. 
you know, um, because yes, I just feel like in general too, like whether it's four weeks, five weeks, six, you know, it is life. Well, he knows them. It really does. It really does stem from your position on life. I think. Yes. Uh, people often ask me why we approach loss the way we do in our practice. It stems directly from mm-hmm. the way we feel about life and. You know, I always I always like to use the analogy. People, I'm sure, are tired of hearing me say it, but imagine, listeners, if you went to your pediatrician's office and you with a well baby visit mm-hmm. for your child, and you said, "Oh, by the way, I've lost a couple of toddlers that died," and the yeah. pediatrician said, "Well, that that's interesting. If you lose any more, we should probably look into it." Mm-hmm. Moms would never tolerate that. Yes. They would be yeah. a, a mass exit. You know, mm-hmm. but yet. Uh, sadly, in my specialty, that's what's said to people every day. Mm-hmm. Your things like you're young, you'll be pregnant again. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. Mm-hmm. At least it was early. At least you have another child. I'd put all those things on the list of no, never, please say that. Yes. Um, as opposed to saying you lost a child. That's why you feel like your insides have just been ripped out mm-hmm. because you're you're mourning the loss of a child yeah. that you're going to see one day in heaven, but that's going to hurt a long time. Mm-hmm. That would do so much good, oh, I think, yeah. for couples to hear that honesty. Yeah. So because the, the world is saying nothing's wrong, you shouldn't feel this way, mm-hmm. but your body is saying I'm falling apart. Yeah. That conflict is what creates, I think, the angst yes. uh, and so much trouble. And feeling like you sh- shouldn't share or you shouldn't talk about it yeah. because why? Why are you even upset it's not about a big this? Deal. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, keep going with this journey. So you've now suffered through four losses. Yes. It sounds like this is a pretty dark time. Very dark time. But this is a time where I think God has just really chased after me and is drawing me closer to him. And one of the women was like, you need to ask him for a promise. Like, ask him, you know, to give you a promise. So (laughs) I did. And um, I had been praying about it and praying about me. He gave me the verse, Psalm 113.9. He gives the child this woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. (laughs) And I knew in that moment that that was for me. And so then I started praying like, okay, you know, I have Aiden. So has he already answered that prayer Uh because he gave me Aiden? You know, how how perfect his plans are. You know, that's (laughs) that's why we're together. And or, you know, is adoption? Am I getting my child through adoption or, you know, how how God are you doing this? So, I continued to pray about it, and I really just continued to feel like he was saying, like, you're going to have a child. Mm. Trust me, you're going to have a child. And I think, too, that he doesn't put things on our hearts if that's not what he has for us. So I think really the first step is just praying about that, mm-hmm. praying about you know how he's going to work this out, what he wants for you, because I, I truly believe that he wouldn't have still given me that the strength, endurance to mm-hmm. keep going if that wasn't his plan for me. Sure. So this, when he gave me that verse, I feel like that was just the moment like, okay, I can do this. Like, he, we're going to get a child, you know, whatever you have for me, God, like, okay, yeah. let's do this. Um, in that darkness, in that time there after that fourth loss, mm-hmm. d- do you remember ever being tempted to sort of doubt your faith? Maybe the stuff I've thought was real is not real. You know, I have never not believed that there isn't a God. Now, have I believed that maybe he's not a good God? <laughs> I maybe question that. I've questioned yeah. what, you know, like you're uh-huh. good, but this keeps happening. Sure. Um, so I, I will say that during that time. 
But I think in that darkness too, there was just so much that I needed to do personally, mm-hmm. work on personally. Almost every day in my prayers, I thank him for this time and the mother that he created me to be because mm-hmm. I know for those babies, I wouldn't have been the mother that they deserve. So I am thankful for all of this because I know that Riker has the mom that he deserves now. So it was such a dark time, but during that fourth, there was just, there was a lot of sin in my life. There was a way that I was treating people or acting that he was really trying to refine me. And I can see that all now. Um, And throughout that year, I think like he just kept bringing more things to the surface. Like, we got to fix this. Like, we need to work on this area. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a journey. Sure. But, but yes, I know I w- can't wait to see them in heaven. <laughs> I wish it didn't have to go this way for me to become this person. Yeah. But I'm thankful for the mother that I am today because of that. Mm. Because I, I know with that first one, I wouldn't be the mom that I am today. So, um, that's that after that fourth one, yeah, there was just so much work that he was doing inside my heart that yeah. needed to be done. I, I'm, I'm sure you've thought of this too, but um, unfortunately I see couples try to go through this and they don't come at it from a well-founded faith perspective. Mm-hmm. And I know it's my bias as a believer, but I would argue they don't do well. Yeah, uh, It's almost as though it's it's as though they're lacking a context mm-hmm. to deal with this kind of suffering. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just has no meaning. It just has pain. Yes, and, and there's no redemptive value to pain mm-hmm. if you don't understand redemption. Yes, um, and it's sad because it's also very difficult, if not impossible, to comfort them mm-hmm. because you don't have any context. Yeah, you know, to deal with that. Um, but he, he, these are those moments. When, um, when the proverbial rubber hits the road mm-hmm. uh, with our faith. Yes. Yeah, and that's my mindset whenever I face anything now. I was trying to like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me <laughs> in this moment? Because, you know, unfortunately, suffering is one of those great things that we do learn so much more. It's not easy yeah. or fun to go through, but he teaches us so much. Mm. And really, it's invaluable. So, um, so. So you have the fourth. So had the fourth. And now what's happening in life? Um, I just feel like we were closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think we just gave it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, whatever you have for us, okay, you know, we're in this. Lead us. Let us know. Do you remember um, if you, did you intentionally avoid pregnancy for a period of time? Uh, you did, know, I wouldn't say intentionally. So the next time I got pregnant was over a year, but I just think I knew that there was still so much work to do and he did too. Like, I think we needed that break. I think there was just, we needed, we had a lot to work on. I had a lot of things personally. And so it was just like. So about a year goes by. Yes. A little over a year. And I get pregnant with my fifth on um, 7-6 of 2020. And I thought I was having this baby, you know. Like, man, I have grown. I've got this. I'm a new woman, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to have this baby. And um, I remember praying one day. My niece had a volleyball game. And I never do stuff when I first find out I'm pregnant because I'm so in my head that mm. sitting at home worrying about everything is usually what I decide to do. So my mom's like, 
come on, just go to the game with us. So I had decided that I was going to go to this volleyball game and I was praying and doing my devotions. And I can't remember the verse, but it's where God is, Samuel's laying down and he hears him say like, Samuel, wake up, or is trying to get his attention. Yeah. So I, it like caught my eye. So I went to that part of the Bible and started reading it. And I felt like God was saying, your son's name is Samuel. And I'm like, no, I had already had this Riker, which is my son's name. Now. I was like, I already have a name picked out for the past six years. Like, it can't be Samuel. You know, it's Riker. <laughs> and I just felt like he was saying, like, no, your son's name is Samuel. So I go with my mom to this volleyball game, and I'm talking with her, and I'm like, you know, I was – I had a friend that messaged me. She lives in Indy, and she said – a woman came up to me today in church and said, God's going to name your son. And I just started, like, bawling. <laughs> And my mom's like, what? I'm like, read her the text. I'm like, this morning I felt like God was telling me his name Samuel. And she started crying and she was like, I had the same feeling last night when I was reading. But I kept telling him it's Riker. Like, it's not Samuel, it's Riker. So I was just like, okay, he's named my son and I... I'm keeping this baby like he's letting me know. But I don't like the name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I wouldn't have chose Samuel. But sure. Um, but on your cards, you have a verse. Yes, and when I, I remember like one of our first appointments, I saw that I was like, we're at the right place. Because <laughs> um, it says I prayed for this baby. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so then when I lost Samuel. I'll say I, I went back to hitting another low mm. because you named you named my baby. You know, why can't I keep him? Um, How far did you get with Samuel? I was like nine weeks. I remember I went to that. That was when I first started coming to you guys. I um, And we switched probably at, what, week five? Mm-hmm. We came um, and did an ultrasound. And I remember Marianne is your wife, correct? It is. She was like do you want to go ahead and schedule with Dr. Stroud? That way you can go ahead and get in. And I was like, nope, I'm trusting God. I'm keeping this baby. So I'm not going to need an appointment with your husband because yeah. I'm going to, you know, so I was just like, okay, let's, you know, hold on to this. I'm keeping this baby. And um, so we found out, which I was on progesterone injections and things like that too. Mm-hmm. So what was a little different with this pregnancy is usually I was the first one to know that I had lost my baby because I would be bleeding, having the cramping. And with this, I didn't have any symptoms, the bleeding or anything. Did I feel something deep inside that I knew? Probably Mm -hmm. not. I remember saying that to to Zach on the way there, like, I think something's wrong. Um, But hoping that, you know, I was wrong Mm -hmm. and that everything was okay. So, you know, I found out at the appointment, which has been different. I feel like added another layer to kind of like other people are around you know usually I'm at my home by myself sure I just ball and you know um so there you know realizing that in front of everyone feeling like I needed to be strong for them you know my mom was there I was excited for her to be there with me but so yeah there was just so many emotions you know that day and then an hour car ride home where mm-hmm. I like to kind of be by myself and cry it out and you know kind of go through my emotions Mm -hmm. and so then we're all stuck in a vehicle together you know on the way home (laughs) everyone probably feeling like oh I need to say something to comfort her but not having the right words you know um so yeah it was a difficult car ride home and like I said I was really just like 
why does this keep happening? Okay, we're at our fifth, you know, why does this keep happening? And I remember we'd gotten home. We had a friend from church that had called him to talk with him. And then he got in the shower and I was laying in bed and I just started like screaming and yelling and crying. God, why? I, I need to know why. Like at this point, you have to give me a reason because I cannot keep doing this. Yeah. So why do you keep taking my babies? And my phone went off. It was my cousin and she does like the voice, yeah. you know. So she was like, Taylor, I was listening to this podcast and I, God, you know, I felt like I'm supposed to share this with you. And um, it was two friends and she kept saying, just pray that God will tell me like why this keeps happening. She wanted to know why to a reason. And the mm-hmm. friend said, no, I'm not going to pray that he gives you the answer. I'm just going to pray that you trust him enough. And she was like, God's telling you just to trust him. Like, and honestly, in that moment, I, tr- I felt like he was giving me a hug mm. and that he was crying with me. And he was saying, I named him because I know him and I love him. Mm. But please keep trusting me. I've got this. Please keep trusting me. Well, that's a big ask, isn't it? It is, but I will say, like, in that moment, I I did feel like he was there with me, and he was holding me, and that he had me, and I needed that moment. I know I needed that moment, and so then I just was kind of like, okay, you know, whatever you have planned, and in that moment, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if, like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Like, are we supposed to adopt? Sure. Um, You know, we had had a friend that reached out and had a doctor about doing, like, IVF. So it was just like, okay, God, you know, what do you have of us? What what are we trying to do? And I remember that appointment with you. I had told you, I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Yeah. And you acknowledged all of my, you're like, I know anyone who's been through what you've been through would, would feel the same way. Sure. Like, you know, so I just wasn't sure what I was trusting at that point. Yeah. And where he was going to take us and what was, you know, going to happen. But I knew that he was in it and I knew that. He just wanted me to trust him in the plan that he had for us. Um, but honestly, that moment is something that even today when I'm struggling, I look back on because I'm just like, I could never question if God is, you know, real or if he loves me or if he doesn't care about every aspect because something like that, you know, is it just is huge. So much going on in the world, but he was like, yeah. no, I'm going to be there and, and comfort me. So, you know, that's probably a good lesson for listeners who who may not be very developed in their faith and mm-hmm. I think sometimes they would look at someone like you and say oh she's one of those happy Christians yeah. um, nothing could affect her yeah. life is just daffodils and unicorns yeah and that's not what you're describing at no. all you're describing a lot of pain yeah it's not an absence of suffering or an absence of pain yes it's a it's an ability to accept that yes and two I remember I had told a friend like I believe God can do miracles I just don't believe that he's gonna do it for me <laughs> like who am I that he would choose sure. to move this mountain yeah and to everyone, he wants to move that mountain for yeah. you. Trust him. And, and I am the least of them. Like, I have sinned so much. We have, you know, I've done so many. I am not perfect in any way, shape, or form, but he still finds ways to yeah. use us. When I feel like I have nothing to use, like, God, what can you do with me? Right. 
um, and he wants to. And so, so Zach, after that fifth loss, I mean, do, what, do you remember what you were thinking? I honestly, after the first couple, I kind of emotionally just checked out. <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad, but I just was like, I can't keep going through the up and down. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm shut off when he wants it to happen he'll let it happen but I just never got as invested in her because I didn't want to hype myself up and then crash down it was protective self-protective and I'm sorry I thought we were at my sixth loss so Samuel was my sixth loss sure yeah yeah I've said it wrong sorry no you're fine yeah but Uh, yeah that was I think it was probably after that third our third loss which were kind of back to back that I was just like like I'm not gonna hype myself up. Like we're pregnant, just kind of ride it along yeah. and see where we go. Which probably I'm guessing might have been misinterpreted as lack of interest. Yes. You right. Know, yeah, and, I'm sure. Yeah. Lack of caring. When in reality it was protection. Yeah. Yes, and I totally understand. But yeah, as a woman, you can't. You don't have that choice. You know, like yeah. you're fully invested right from yeah. the get go. So. So uh, it's hard to imagine, but you picked up and you moved on somehow. Yes. Keep going. Yes. So after that, we had looked into the IVF thing, um, and we had sent him all the labs that we had done with you and Mm -hmm. all the other doctors. And I remember at our appointment, he was just like, Taylor, I cannot find anything. Like, there's nothing that I can say, oh, let's do this and we'll have a good outcome. He actually told me that if – I would choose to go that route and I had lost one that he would suggest a surrogate. Mm. Um, So, you know, those things are all hard to hear. You know, I almost felt like, okay, this is happening for a reason. Like this is gonna be the answer. And um, so then it wasn't. So we just decided to pray about it. And I was like, okay, we'll do one more month (laughs) of trying and then we'll take the summer off to just kind of enjoy it, enjoy our time with Aiden. And we'll go from there. Like, I just was like, I don't want to keep putting too much stress or like pressure on all of this. Um, and I remember like praying to him, like, okay, this time I get pregnant. I don't want to know right away. Cause I don't want to spend it like stressing and all of these things. Um, so I, we were supposed to go canoeing or something. And I had tested like I always do because, you know, at this point, you know, everything <laughs> about your cycle. And I, so I tested, it said negative. So I was like, okay, we're, we're done trying for this summer and we're just going to enjoy it with Aiden. Um, so then throughout that week, I had seen three rainbows and I have pictures of all of them. Like it, I just felt like God was giving me signs. Um, my brother-in-law had texted me that he was at a conference and that he met someone and the husband had said, we lost 12 babies. We now have three healthy ones. And so he said, keep going. Mm. And so I just felt like God was telling me like, I've got you, you know, keep going. It's going to be, so I decided after the third rainbow, I took a picture on a porch. I sent to Zach and I was like, bring home a pregnancy test because I think I'm pregnant. So he brought it home and sure enough, I was pregnant and, um, super excited, super hopeful. But obviously even when you say like, oh, I trust you, God, you know, there's always that part of you that just, you worry, you have fear that you're going to lose another one. And so I was hopeful and I felt like he was telling me it's okay. You know, like you're going to get to keep this baby, but 
Um, and then at week five, I kept waking up at 3 a.m., bawling, <laughs> just in so much fear that something had happened. Yeah. So I had text one of the women from our church and was told her what was happening. And um, she was like, can I come over tonight and pray for you and pray through your home? So she came over, prayed over me, prayed through our home. It never happened again after that. Um, and I know spiritual warfare can kind of be like a difficult topic for some. <laughs> um, I have definitely experienced it. I think that when you are chasing after Jesus, you know, the devil doesn't like that. And he's definitely going to try and interfere. And I definitely feel like that's what my pregnancy was, you know. So that happened. Um, then at my week eight appointment, I was getting ready to go to the ultrasound. And another family friend, she was a missionary in Africa. She called me and she was like, there's a demonic force that's, you know, after your baby. We need to pray about it right now. Mm. And we prayed. The ultra, everything went well. But really throughout my pregnancy, I had a lot of those moments sure. where it felt like the enemy was attacking me yeah. and attacking the pregnancy. Um but God was faithful. I had a really healthy pregnancy. Um, do, you, do you remember, was there a time that you said, well, if I just get to this number of weeks, I'll stop worrying. Yes, and everything 12. 12 was the number. 12 was the number. I don't know if it's just because like after, you know, the first trimester kind of coming to the end yeah. or, or what, but. And was that right? After 12, did you feel great? No. Not worrying? <laughs> no. Funny how that works. Does it ever yeah. end? Because even now he's 18 months and still I'm worried. still worried. Yeah. I like to tell new parents, I, I'm not sure how to break this to you, but parenting yeah. is nothing but a lifelong ticket to worry. Yes. Uh, it doesn't stop when they come out. Yes. Uh, wow. So you made it past 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. You make it to 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. You have a normal ultrasound. Yes. You had to start feeling pretty good. I I did. Um, but you know how you can just health yeah. problems and this. Sure. And we I just feel like we see so much more of that these yeah. days. So, Zach, but, do you remember when you thought, well, maybe this actually will work out this time? Mm -hmm. How many, how far along do you think she was? Yeah, because none of our babies made it even to that 12 week yeah, point right. so once we broke past that that 16 20 yeah it was like yeah okay we're kind of on like the downhill slope of this we're we're gonna finish it out mm -hmm. so i felt yeah that had to feel good and your mm -hmm. office honestly was the best experience i think we've both had with any doctors because wow. the ones that we went to before they weren't specialists but they didn't have that sense of care uh, that you guys did the mm. connection to kind of walk through the things that we were going through with so mm. that was definitely huge along well the i think path. the extra monitoring too yeah like yeah. i know for me i i needed that yeah like even though usually you only see them you know this week and that week i needed to be there more yeah um it, mentally. it sounds a little terrible to say but you know for women that have had a lot of early losses you know, the bad news is once you get past that number, it actually gets harder, I mm -hmm. think, mm -hmm. because now you have zero experience. Your only experience is pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so from kind of that eight to 20 weeks, it takes a lot to get through those weeks. Mm -hmm. And that might mean every other day ultrasounds. It, it, yes. it, who knows what it means? You figure out what it means. Yeah. But to be able to sort of shepherd somebody through that mm -hmm. vulnerable period yes. is challenging. Yes. 
yeah, I remember too that you can just stop in, like if you want us to listen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that's like, yes, please. <laughs> like, you know, we're making a trip to Fort Wayne. Like, I just want to hear their heartbeat. And did you get your own Doppler to listen at home? You did. Yeah. You don't have to be guilty. It's okay. I know. It's one of those things, though, that it's like it can sometimes cause a little more worry. I mean, yeah. I'm thankful if I you had can't it find because it, it's yes, a backfire. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that definitely happened too. Couldn't There's, find it. Yeah, yeah, one point where she couldn't. But. Yeah. And then your mind goes, you know, all yeah. over. But, but would you recommend moms in your position doing that, getting their own Doppler and listening? I would because I would do it again. Yeah, sure. You know, so. So you make it past 20 weeks and the regular ultrasound and you're mm-hmm. cruising sort of towards the end. Same. Pick up the story then. Well, um, so super healthy pregnancy. Was excited in my head, which, you know, everyone, do not put too much pressure on yourself about the delivery process. Like, <laughs> I wanted to do everything natural. In my head, you know, that was the plan. Um, and thankfully, I had a doula, which I would always recommend a doula, you know, really, because like you, there are so many, I work in healthcare and there are so many things that I do not know and was just like a fish out of water for sure. So having Aubrey was the best decision that we made, but, Mm -hmm. um, so we're there, have all these, you know, like going to do it natural, just gonna, you know, fly through this breeze. Didn't happen that way. (laughs) And honestly, it was all up here. Yeah. You know, like worrying. And then when it got to the point that's, you know, kind of like we're here too long, like, you know, teetering on that. We don't want to have to do a C-section kind of thing. I think I just let everything kind of get in my head mm-hmm. and then like worry. Um, but we had Riker mm-hmm. and then he ended up having a fever. So he had to go to the NICU. Right. And God bless every NICU mom. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that was yeah. traumatic for me. Um you know, you see other women go through it, post about it. And in my head, I'll, I'll just be honest, previously I felt like at least you have your baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being in those shoes, I can say one of the difficult things, especially I feel like too, right after you have your child, you just want to love on them and hold them and care for them. And I did not want anyone else doing those things for him. Yeah. I wanted it to be me. So that was hard. Mm-hmm. I even think one of the midwives said to me, you may want to go see a therapist <laughs> and I was like yeah, yeah maybe, I probably so. should <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm not doing so well um really I did I really struggled with that and honestly I was so thankful because he was healthy you know they were just mm-hmm. making sure that there wasn't you know an infection yeah. that had gotten anywhere thankfully it didn't go to the umbilical cord so yeah um, we were only there for like four days I'm pretty but, you had to have felt so, to some degree or another I made it this far. How could this be taken from me? I did. I was just like, God, I know I've got my baby, but why couldn't we just go home and enjoy him? And, you know, like, I'm so thankful. But yes, but then I'm just like, Taylor, this is the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to face things for the rest of your life. And, you know, but it was it. It was difficult. It was Mm. difficult to see the other babies like that. And yes, I have a whole new outlook and appreciation for yeah. moms and having to go through that because it's not easy. Mm. So um, he gets better and he gets, he gets to leave and he gets to go home to the family. Mm-hmm. And how has that's that perfect. been? Amazing. 
I mean, yeah. you never stop learning either. Like, he teaches me something every day, just whether it's patience or, you know, finding joy in the mundane or whatever it may be. But <laughs> life is just so precious. Mm. And I'm so thankful that I get to be his mom. Um, and I love seeing things through his eyes. You know what I mean? Like, it just gives you a, another appreciation for the small things mm. in the world. Um, but, yeah, I mean – you don't just like get through or over a mountain and that's it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it just continues and God continues to be there. And I actually have another story. If you're, if you're we can cut it out if we need to, or we can keep it. But, um, so like I said, spiritual warfare is something that we have definitely experienced mm-hmm. in this stage of our life. And, um, a couple months ago, it's been like four months ago. I had gotten a call from a family friend who she deals with a a lot of that, you know, spiritual warfare, prayer journeys. She travels a lot and things like that. But she, I had trust her. I know she loves me. I know she loves my son. And I probably couldn't have heard this from just anyone. If, you know, I think God knew like it had to be her, but she had called and she said, I don't want to worry you. And I questioned if I should say something, but you know, I feel like I'm supposed to. And um, I was on the way to my sister's actually. She's like, but I had a dream last night and Riker was sitting in the corner of the room with a plastic bag over his head. Oh and I gosh. walked over there and she goes, I took it off, but I feel like his life is in danger, mm. which I struggle with too, like wanting to be in control of everything when it comes to Riker. You know, like <laughs> I worry about every aspect. Like I just want him to be so healthy and safe. And so I can kind of get consumed in that. But I know constantly God's telling me, like, I've got this give him to me, trust me with him. But yeah, I struggle a lot with that. So I get this and immediately, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I can't work for the next couple of weeks. Like I, you know, I'm going to be with him 24 seven. Should I just sleep in the you know crib? Like what am I going to do? So I'm talking it through with my sister and then I'm decided like, okay, I'm going to reach out to my other prayer warriors. I reached out to some other women called, they prayed with me. And I felt like, um, you know, like, oh, I have this book, The Power of a Praying Parent. <laughs> so I went and grabbed that book, and I'm kind of, like, praying through it. And for the next couple of days, you know, I was doing that and praying through the Bible. And um, I felt like God was saying, you're supposed to start a small group over this book. But I am so stubborn. And usually when God asks me something, like, I give him a million reasons why I really shouldn't do that. But so, you know, I kept, like, throwing the idea out. Like, there's no way. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely not equipped for this. Like, I don't know everything that I should to be able to do this. And so then I just was like, okay, if this is what you want, then you, you figure it out and you let me know what this is going to look like and, you know, go from there. So I also knew that I wasn't supposed to like handpick the women. I think that no matter what age you are, it's hard to find friends. (laughs) You know, like I always tell Aiden all the time, like, when, like, I'm so proud of you for going to that or doing something out of your comfort zone. Cause even at my age, it's hard and um, so I decided to put it on Instagram. I was like, hey, I'm going to do this small group if anyone wants to join. So I had women that had reached out about it and we're continuing to do it. And it's been incredible. And a lot of their stories are incredible mm. and what has just happened through that. But I feel like what, you know, the enemy wanted to use for evil, God used for good. Mm. And so much good has came out of it. So he just continues to teach me so much through all of this that like and just ask me to be obedient so that's that's my word for this season of life <laughs> is obedience 
So, you know, speak to listeners who um, may not have the story that you have, mm-hmm. but, but maybe they've had a loss. Maybe someone near to them has had a loss. Maybe they've had multiple losses. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you say to them to give them that courage to pick up and press on? If you're somebody's friend, I would say just be there. Just ask what they need. Don't try to give advice mm-hmm. or, you know, I know we, we want to encourage and, and things like that, but just asking how you can be there, I think, is huge. And praying for them. And whether you tell them you're praying for them or not, just pray for them um, is huge. But as that person that's feeling like it's not going to happen for you, that you're tired in this weight, God cares. God cares about every aspect of your life, and he will use everything for your good. Trust him. Lean into that. Um, find other like-minded, like-minded women. Hmm. Um, one of the greatest things was these older women who really poured into my life. Like, they're so full of wisdom. If you're an older woman, find these other younger women that you can pour into because it's huge, you know. You guys have walked through so much life, and um, but he cares. And he knows, and he knows that you're hurting and that you want this so badly. And he wants it for you too. I truly believe that. So just trust him and kind of lean into whatever he may call you in that season. That's what was something that I prayed a lot after the fourth was just, what do you have for me? What are you trying mm-hmm. to teach me? Where can I go from this? But I also want to acknowledge that this is a really difficult time. Yeah. There's so much hurt in so many different ways, you know, whether it, causes stress on your marriage or even in your friendships because you know they might look different you know um but it is it's so difficult and to find people that you can lean on and that you can walk through I know that there were so many women that I met through just sharing this struggle which I think is something that we are supposed to do you know walk alongside others so we can Mm -hmm. help them and find other women that are going through this where you can lean on them Mm -hmm. I mean I remember after almost every appointment or the next point, like, would you, you know, I would just talk with him about it or share our fears or our concerns right. or, you know, whatever. Um, ask what their labs were. You know, I, <laughs> I feel like that's like we get so stuck on those numbers <laughs> that it's like, well, what were yours at this time? You know, but just having other people to sure. walk through it with. Zach, you know, to the husbands, um, what, what do you say to them? Most of them will never go through what you've been through, but you know, really the same question for you. What do you say to husbands of, of women who are undergoing losses like this? Uh, I mean, it's impossible for us as husbands to comprehend mm. what our wives are going through because we don't experience it and it's not our body. Um, and I think the biggest thing is just to be there for them. You don't have to have the right words or or tell them that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Just be there for them to cry on your shoulder or especially I did not voice, you know, what I was going through to open up that pathway between me Mm -hmm. and her. Like I, I could tell, I could tell her like, I get it. I understand, but you don't cause you're not her and you're not going through it. So that you can say that, but it's not super helpful. I don't feel like in their case because they know it's their body and they are having to go through that whole process you know six times for her and some women more some women once but it's the same process and Mm. it's so painful for them not just physically but emotionally um so yeah just being there for them and open up to them you know 
they are balled up inside going through this on their own. And some people think I, I have to do this cause it's my body and I have to do it myself. They mm-hmm. don't want to open up to you, but it would be super beneficial in our case. If I would have taken that step to open up to her that I'm feeling this way and start that conversation instead of, you know, my, my choice was like, I'm just going to be a brick wall. I'm not going to let it affect mm-hmm. me. I'm just going to, and I was just holding all that inside. So if you're going through that as a husband, you know, just be there, open up to your wife. I didn't even, you know, tell my brother who's the closest guy to me about any of this. I just, like, he didn't know we were having miscarriages. And that is probably something I regret that I didn't, like, you know, just reach out to those people that love you Mm -hmm. and will be there for you. Because it is, those were some of the worst times going through that stuff in our life so don't be scared to reach out Mm -hmm. to those that love you and those that are close to you to help you yeah well listeners i i hope you've enjoyed this story i enjoy seems to be a poor choice of words in a way but (laughs) i hope i hope you've been moved by it so many lessons so so many things to take away i mean the i think the key things that i hear from you is uh, faithfulness mm-hmm. and perseverance um, and trust mm-hmm. uh, and and what a great what a great story and and what a great I don't want to say ending because I have a feeling your story's got a lot more chapters mm-hmm. um, but for this chapter what a great um, what a great ending mm-hmm. with Riker and yes. uh, his safe arrival mm-hmm. um, thank you for having the courage you know to share that story uh, but listeners if if you're struggling with recurrent loss, that whether that's one or whether that's five, um, you've just got to find somebody to help you with that because there's so much we can do. And it's so often, far too often overlooked uh, by the establishment. And um, that's got its own interesting story and its own set of issues, but um, there's a better way to go. So find someone that has a special interest in recurrent pregnancy loss and let them help you through so you can navigate these very complex and um, all too often very painful waters. Well, again, I hope you've uh, appreciated and enjoyed and taken something from this discussion. Do you have questions? Do you have comments? I hope you'll include them below. Um, and I'll certainly respond as best I can if you have questions. If you have topics that you'd like to see or have us cover here on All Things Women's Health, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at Dr. Stroud, that's D-R-S-T-R-O-U-D, at fertilityandmidwifery.com. You can message me directly, 260-450-8878, uh, if there's something that you would like us Uh, to cover. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us for All Things Women's Health. I hope you'll like and subscribe to our podcast. I hope you'll join us again for future episodes. Uh, I'll be back soon with another episode uh, of All Things Women's Health. Until then, I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud.